Welcome to Silver Shades Podcast, created by Ogden House Senior Center. My name is Erika Rodriguez, and I will be your host in this weekly podcast created especially for you. On this podcast, we will discuss topics of importance to seniors and the community in general. We will also share stories and connect with other seniors in the city. Silver Shades will be released every Thursday at 3 p.m. with a new episode and a new special guest joining the show. Today's episode is a really, really, really special one. We have an amazing guest with us, a mega special guest. Her name is Bev Blue. And she's going to talk about a lot of things, uh, but she also is very special because she has been volunteering with the Stampede for over 32 years. So that's an amazing, yahoo! That's what <laughs> I can say. Bev, thank you for being with us today in the podcast. It's so nice to be here and so nice to chat with your people about something so close to my heart. Yes. I mean, that's amazing. When they told me how many years had you been stampede, in, in the stampede, I say, oh, my God, that means me excellent to know all of this, you know, forever and all the different kinds of ways of the stampede. But Bev, first of all, talk a little bit about you. Well, my family moved to Calgary in December of 1961 from Tisdale, Saskatchewan. I was not quite eight years old. Now, I don't know what you know about, probably not a lot about Tisdale, Saskatchewan, but it's in the northern, more northern part of the province. And in December, it's really, really cold. So the- Colder than Calgary? Oh, yes. <laughs> oh my and, it, we, and it doesn't get Chinooks. So it, when it gets cold, it just stays cold until spring comes. <laughs> and um, we moved here and that just before Christmas, it was like I said, the beginning of December. My dad was putting the Christmas lights up that year onto the house in shirt sleeves because it was warm enough that you didn't even have to wear a sweater outside. I could hardly stand myself. I was just so excited. And then, of course, reality hit because it's Calgary. And the next day, you know, it was snowing and awful. But that was my my first introduction to living in Calgary. And um, we'd been here a number of times before on vacation. But my dad was a florist and he'd gotten a job here. So over we came. And that following summer was my first stampede in 1962. 1962, so wow. So that was the first time that you went actually to the stampede as a guest, I'm assuming. Correct, and, and I was amazed. Coming from a small town, Calgary was already this huge, huge place with all these big buildings. And, but suddenly there were all these cowboys and cowgirls and horses and the recality of the First Nations people and the excitement of the midway. And I, I, I truly could hardly stand myself. It was just so big. You were there as a guest the first time. So how many <laughs> years of being in the Stampede as a guest before you, oh, I want to volunteer in this? How, how this uh, desire to volunteer in this amazing event came to? Well, 
I, I've had a number of careers in my life, all to do mostly with marketing and advertising. And uh, at one point, I was the marketing director at Chinook Center. And my boss there was very, very, very involved with Stampede as a volunteer. And we, we at Chinook Center annually purchased a chuck wagon tarp. And I loved the wagon races. So it sort of fell into place that my love of Stampede just got bigger and bigger and bigger over the years. And with my boss's encouragement, I applied, got interviewed for, and accepted to be a volunteer on the promotion committee. And it'll be 33 years in September. Wow, 33 years in September. Now, all these years that you have been volunteering the Stampede, it's always been in the same position. Tell us a little bit more about that. Or you've been, you know. Yeah, no, I've, I've been around. <laughs> I, when I first came on, on board as a volunteer, it was with the promotion committee. And the promotion committee is a committee that people are, everybody knows about them, but they don't know that's what we're called. The promotion committee is basically the face of Stampede in the community during and outside of the 10 days of what the city thinks is Stampede. So the promotion committee is the people who go to conferences and conventions and greet and brand and carry on uh, with people who accidentally have their events outside of Stampede time. <laughs> so we can give them a taste of that. Uh, promotion committee is also Harry the horse, the mascot. The promotion committee is the stages that go to all the breakfasts, those great big semi-truck, the, the semi-truck trucks, yes, right? Yes. <laughs> we have three of those that we take to various things. That's part of the promotion committee. The parade float is part of the promotion committee. Wow. The show wagon that goes to smaller communities and, and participates in places like High River or Okotoks or Banff or some of those places all around the province. It's a beautiful wagon that's pulled with matching horses and has outriders and stuff and we promote Stampede that way. Um, we have a buckle program for novice rodeo events that we go to all summer and we present Stampede belt buckles to kids who win their events in um, junior rodeos, basically, in the novice events. So that's where I started. And I was there, I started in 1988. And just just after the Olympics and all that good kind of stuff. And I chaired that committee from 2000 to 2003. And in this, at the same time, I also sat on the Stampede Lotteries Committee which is the dream home and the money and the vehicles and the trailers and the oh toys and all that good kind of stuff. So I sat on that committee simultaneously for eight years. I also sat on the volunteer information and advisory group, which was a committee of volunteers for volunteers. So if you were in having trouble with something or whatever, you could come to this group and get directed as to how to get help. And most recently, I'm, and I, through all of this, I'm still on the promotion committee. I've been there the entire time because I really love it. But for the last 10 years, I've also sat on the historical committee, mm -hmm. which I chaired from 2011 and 2012. So 
through the 50th anniversary of the Stampede Ranch and the 100th anniversary of Stampede, I got to chair the historical committee, which was pretty exciting because that was a lot of stuff to go through yeah. at the time. So, and I still sit on historical and promotion. Wow. That's, you must be busy 24-7. I mean, I don't know what you did all of that with just uh, <laughs> hours during the day. <laughs> well, for the... Uh, for the uh, duration of the 10 day and for probably two weeks leading into, mm -hmm. they're crazy frantic busy because every committee has volunteer activities. This year, not quite so much because we're just, with coming out of COVID, yes. there's not, the, the capacity is not there. So we don't have nearly as many events. Corporate events are really down because people are just feeling their way as to how they can do things. Um, there's still a few things to be done, et cetera, et cetera. But it sure beats last year, which was, you know, drive through mini donuts. It just wasn't the same last year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. Now, tell me something, does your family share um, this passion and this love for the stampede? And it's something just you, your family? Um, my husband is a really big uh, chuck wagon and rodeo fan, and he's, he's i call him you know I, I have stampede husbands who are on the committee and we do lots of stuff together and this is my real husband who lovingly sits at home and when i come home he has a cold beverage or he'll rub my feet from being in boots all day and he's a fantastic nice. cook so i come home and there's a meal ready for me and he just oh, listens to all my stories and then and then just puts me to bed <laughs> oh, that's amazing it's, you're it's, a lucky so, blessed woman <laughs> exactly so he's not so much involved with stampede mm -hmm. he's involved in spite of stampede <laughs> yes for sure <laughs> now Beb, tell me i know you have like millions of memories but tell me what is your first first memory of the stampede that you will say that was a crucial moment for me when I fall in love with this event. Um, hmm. Well, it, it, it's a progressive thing. I have a number of, depending on my age range at the time. So over the years, my, my stampede love has changed a bunch. So few things have remained totally constant. My love of mini donuts, my love of the chuck wagons and rodeo and the whole Western heritage and values concept have always been there. But as a young kid, of course, the midway was everything. You could eat cotton candy and candy apples and go on those crazy rides. And, and it, it was magical. It was, yeah. it was loud and it was, there was music and it was people and everything was so overwhelmingly fabulous and of course the rides have changed quite a bit over the years they were a little bit tamer back then i mean some of the staples rides for the staple rides for lack of a better term um remain like the ferris wheel and the roller coaster and the tilt whirl and stuff like that but now they're bigger and faster and stronger and scarier like reverse bungee and all i don't do those anymore no no i, 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 I don't, don't do that either some of that <laughs> And, you know, back then, the biggest concern getting on a ride was whether the money was going to fall out of your pocket or your hat was going to blow off because, you know, that, was, that would just be the end of the world, don't you know? 
And um, there was way more sort of sideshow type stuff back then, you know, the bearded lady in the ice house and the house of mirrors and the, there was mm -hmm. a lot more of the less politically correct in today's world yes. <laughs> um, type shows than there were at that time. And even, even the carny people, the people who operate the rides have changed so much over the years. Like now they look like the people next door who could also work at Callaway Park. I mean, back then they were these crazy, gnarly, overly tanned cigarette hanging out of your mouth. Creepy <laughs> kind of looking guys. Oh, that's not good. <laughs> and, and, and they were carnies, right? They just, that's mm -hmm. what they did. So that was, that was a little weird, but was all good. But back then, I mean, the Midway was my favorite at that point. Mm -hmm. And the one thing that truly stood out was because you went with your parents was the big lecture you got on the way into the park where your mother said to you, okay, now, if anyone gets separated, we will meet at the clock tower. Now the clock tower was this huge structure, kind of looked a bit like an oil derrick with a clock on the top, four-sided mm -hmm. clock. And you could see it from just about anywhere in Stampede Park. And that's where you went if you got lost, that's what your mother told you. The only problem was every mother told every child. The same. If you got lost, <laughs> go to the clock tower. So when you got to the clock tower, all you saw was frantic mothers and a whole bunch of kids just running around like crazy people. Because they didn't <laughs> care that they weren't with their parents. Just the parents cared they weren't with them. And nobody could find anybody anyway. Because it was packed at the clock tower with people <laughs> looking for each other. So it, it's gone now. But it was a fun <laughs> thing. I just remember, you know, if you get lost, go to the clock tower. But, and then later when I was like 12 or 13 and went with my friends, only in the daytime, of course, but we got to go alone because back then you did that. Nowadays, parents would be absolutely horrified to think that they were going to send their, you know, 12 or 13 year old kid off to Stampede Park without supervision because um, times have truly changed. Then when, a little bit later, when I got into my late teens, early 20s, the party aspect of Stampede was everything. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> there was those great cabarets and the big hotels, the Silver Slipper and the Golden Garter and the, um, I've forgotten what the one at the Palliser was called anyway. They had the big bands and they had great, huge dance floors, hundreds of people. And it was just crazy bedlam and so, so much fun. And at the time I worked at the Bay in the advertising department, right downtown. Mm -hmm. And our offices were on the second floor and the Bay building, as you know, was a very old building. And in the bowels of the building that customers can't see, and I'm sure it probably isn't even there anymore, but at the time uh, they had a bunch of offices sort of around the perimeter and then walls and then there was this in the store. But in our office, in the advertising office, we had a bathroom unheard of that you had your own bathroom in the office but we had the bathroom not only was it our own private bathroom but all the walls and floors were marble oh wow i mean is this what it, whoever was there i think the store manager must have been there before like in another lifetime because this was <laughs> some kind of bathroom 
but it had a window that opened and it overlooked 8th Avenue, now Stephen Avenue. Mm -hmm. And every morning during Stampede out on Stephen Avenue, they had the Sunrise Jamboree, which was Roy Warhurst, the world famous fiddler and his band, and they would play out there for a couple of hours. And the advertising department was, there's about 15, I think, people there. And I think we had two guys and all the rest of us were, were girls, we're all female. So we used to open the window and we would hang out <laughs> and look for cow cute cowboys down below because <laughs> we're only on the second floor. And when they went past and they were cute, we would throw paper kisses. <laughs> Oh, my God. <laughs> and we just thought we were so cool. I mean, we were just so cool. That's so the best, nice. Yeah, the best part of all that was Roy Warhurst got paid by the Bay to be mm -hmm. up there and through the advertising and special events departments. And so we got, we knew him quite well. And he was also the guy who was one of the bands at the Silver Slipper at what was in the Four Seasons Hotel, now Marriott downtown. Mm -hmm. So the lineups to get in were always huge. We had to work till five o'clock. So by the time we got there, you'd never get in because it was like packed. packed. Yeah. So Roy would take us in through the kitchen. <laughs> oh, the <laughs> fancy way to so, do an entrance. Oh yeah. Oh, we, we were it. I mean, there was, we were royalty. Oh, wow. And off we would go to the Silver Slipper. So the only problem was that the next morning we had to be at work for eight. <laughs> oh, shoot. Oh. Yeah, yeah, it was a tough, tough, tough part of my stampede time, I guess. But it was all worth it. Oh, absolutely. I learned to two-step when I was like 19 years old. <laughs> so then when I hit my 20s and 30s, I truly fell in love with the chuck wagon and rodeo nice. aspects. And, and I still love going to the rodeo and I love going, especially in the infield. Um, on one side's the grandstand. And then when you sit in the grandstand, you see all those people under the short, short grandstand on the other side yeah. where all the animals come out from. I love, it's called the infield. And I love sitting in there because you're so close to the action that you can, you can smell the animals. It feels like you can feel yeah. the rumble when the, when the cattle come through, et cetera, et cetera. It's fabulous. So, but one year, I'm going to say maybe 1998, 99, a group of us gals, every, every year on Thursday, we would go to the rodeo in the infield and we would treat ourselves. And we went, like I said, it was, I think 98, 99, we went and it was kind of a gray day outside, but it was okay. We went. By the time the rodeo was halfway through, it was freezing. By the time the bulls came, which is the very last event of the rodeo, it was snowing so hard they had to keep cleaning the chutes off before they could send the bulls. Oh my God. <laughs> I thought I, that's the coldest I think I've ever been in Stampede, but we were in the infield. So there was no way we were leaving because we were in the infield, these awesome seats. Now we could yeah. barely keep our teeth from breaking they were chattering so hard in the cold <laughs> but now yeah, we sat through the whole thing oh my god now the, the the weather has been like i know lately especially in the last few years uh because of the global warming or you know, whatever things is going on there 
um, the weather in, in Calgary during the summer months has been hotter and hotter. Now, how are, how has the weather been, been since when the stampede started to now? It's been always the same? It's Calgary, it's July. <laughs> so, <laughs> That's a very some, good answer. You know, some years it's pretty good. Most years it's pretty good. We generally have sometime through the 10 days, one horrific thunderstorm with lightning. I got that one. <laughs> we generally have one day that, and it might be the same day that we get some hail. We generally get at least a couple of days where it's really, really hot in the city, mm -hmm. generally, but at the park, because there's so much tarmac and so many people, like so much pavement and so many people, that it can be 10, 12 degrees warmer there than it is anywhere else in the city, unless of course you're sitting in the middle of a shopping center parking lot. <laughs> and it's about the same, except you don't have the people heat on top of that. So I don't think the weather has changed drastically over the years. It's it's Calgary. It changes, you know, and the time, yeah. You no, know, I mean, I wish it would change this week just a little bit. Um, I, I love the warm and I love the sun, but I think we could lose about 10 degrees. I agree. With you. It would be just about perfect, you know, at least it's a bit of breeze the last couple of days, but I you agree. Know, for the most part, it's good. But, but whether it's Stampede, speaking of, um, the one thing that is at the park that I'm not sure that the general public may, or may or may not know about, we have a weather station there during 10 day, like we have a meteorologist and say department and i'm not sure if it's a person or a few people but we okay. have we have people who their sole job is to keep track of the weather and if there is a storm coming whether that's wind or rain or sleet or snow <laughs> or hail or you know pestilence no any weather related incidents they have sirens, they have a whole protocol and team of people who will, it, depending on what the issue is, if it's big wind, there's stuff that has to get sort of extra battened down and that people have to be taken off the Ferris wheel. And okay. stuff, you know, there's, there's stuff that mm -hmm. you don't think about wandering around, you know, because, you know, I've got my umbrella, it's raining, big deal. Well, on comes the thing where they say, please put your umbrellas away and get inside. Lightning is coming. <laughs> this is not a good thing, <laughs> you know? Oh and exactly. But they have a whole system of they can mobilize and keep safe everybody on the park in a weather incident. So yeah, that's amazing. It's kind of cool. Yeah, it's well, kind of cool. cool. You know, uh, I mean, in my case, uh, I was, I'm originally from Mexico, and we have events, you know, all the way year round, some of them related with, you know, um, some of the uh, more traditional stuff that we do in Mexico. But when I came here, everybody, oh, the stampede, and I came in August, so I guess I missed it the first time I came 15 years ago. But um, everybody was saying, you know, Calgary stampede, Calgary stampede, and you start researching a little bit about, okay, what the stampede is. And I was so excited, so excited for my first year, you know, to go to the stampede because I didn't know what to expect. 
And when I see all this rice and all this food and the music and the animals and the cowboys, of course. Yes. Oh my There's something about good wranglers <laughs> and a guy in a hat. <laughs> but I come from everybody wears a hat. My husband now here Canadian, he say, you crazy. Well, no, you guys wear a hat too. Some of you, the cowboys want the real ones. <laughs> and the wannabes. Yeah. Even the lawyers and the accountants are cowboys in July. <laughs> exactly. That's what I mean. Everybody would have had to lie. <laughs> it's when you're walking down the park and you see your dentist and he's swaggering with a cowboy hat on. <laughs> <laughs> but it was so amazing. You know, I can't even believe that someone like you to have the opportunity to, you know, to see the stampede develop and, and change over the years. Now, one of the things that comes to my mind. I know how much we have to pay now. And for some people it might be a little pricey, you know, and, and this and that. How much was the first admission? How, how, how much the price was when you went to the Stampede the first time? In like the rodeo? Oh, the price of the admission price? Yeah. You know I don't remember because my mom paid for many, many years for me. So I, it didn't matter to me how much it cost. <laughs> um, however, I did look it up. And in 1960, so that before I, two years before I started going, um, the Stampede raised the price for the first time in like half of forever. And they were the last fair or exhibition in Canada to raise the price from 25 to 50 cents. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, wow. But back then, the price of admission um, did not include nearly the stuff that it includes now. Mm -hmm. And so there's, there's yes, the, the price has jumped significantly, um, you know, from 50 cents, but it's the, the entertainment value that you get from it um, is, is more than covered. When you think about how much it costs to go to a movie or to go to an, a, an attraction, whether it's Heritage Park or the zoo or you know, any of the any of the other really fun stuff to do around town. Yeah. Um, for what you get for your money. I mean, where else can you go and see any kind of animal, domestic type animal yeah. as opposed to <laughs> giraffes and elephants, um, that that you could imagine and learn about them. Where else could you go and see the caliber of art, um, paintings, bronzes, handmade jewelry, et cetera, that you can in Western Oasis? Where else can you see so much free live music? Mm -hmm. Where else can you see just random little shows, the one-man band and the people on stilts and the, you know, whatever else? <laughs> um, there's a lot to do on park that is covered in your admission. Yeah. And the other side of it is if you're going to the rodeo or the chuck wagons, you're paying to see that show and it includes the price of admission. Yep. So, you know, there's, there's a lot of trade-offs. There's, I, I truly believe there's really great value in it. Yes, for sure. Mm -hmm. And most people who go, if you go, you're probably not going for an hour or two. You're probably going for, the whole call day. It five, call it five hours. Let's mm -hmm. say five hours. And for lots of people, that's 
not as long as they're normally there, but let's say five hours. Admission is $20. That's $4 an hour. Where else are you going to get entertainment for $4 an hour? No way. Of any kind, you know? Like it costs more than that to wander the grocery store, at least if you're me. I could not yeah. spend an hour in the grocery store and only spend $4. Like it just. <laughs> <laughs> it's like me. I go to the you know? grocery store, I'm going for a glass, you know, a jar of milk, and I come up with two bags and I say, exactly. oh, that my plan. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, and then, but for seniors, um, there is, it is a little bit less, uh, general admission is $20, but for seniors, it's $12. Yes. So that's a much better price point. And on family day, which is normally Sunday, but this year is Friday because oh. there's no parade. Oh, parade that's is, exactly what I was going to ask you, Beb. Sorry. Yeah. The parade. Parade is, the parade, it's happening. A, ver a version of the parade is happening but it's going to go through Stampede Park because we can close the gates okay. and not have spectators, which makes it safe for COVID protocols. Yes. But it will be broadcast on global from starting at eight o'clock in the morning. So global television is going to broadcast the parade. And I think it's from eight till 9.30 is the okay. parade. And then when the park opens, um, they're, they're calling that first day family day. Yes. So if this year, because of protocols at this point, now, who knows, because every day, Alberta Health Services changes rules and changes protocols. But at this point in time, the stampede um, decision was to err on the side of caution. So at this point, there's, they're limiting the number of people who can be on park at any given time to... I'm going to say right around half capacity of normal. Okay. So what they're asking is that you go online to calgarystampede.com slash tickets and book the day that you want to come. Okay. And I have not done that. So I can't tell you if it says, hi, I'd like to come on Tuesday at 115. <laughs> like, I don't think it's quite that specific, but I think it's sort of time blocked as such and they're not going to tell you to leave the park at a given time but what they're trying to do is sort of gauge that if people are usually there for x number of hours we let in so many at this time then we let so many more in at this time and so many more in at this time um we can keep everybody safe i so, so and i for sure it's going to look different but i mean we really needed the stampede back in calgary oh and oh on so many levels <laughs> now you mentioned something the parade the parade was one of the things that we all expect even you know when you're a kid i want to go to the parade and you wake up so early if you're there making a lineup <laughs> no matter the weather you're sitting or standing up but you're looking forward for the moment that you see everybody coming through how was uh, how the parade look like back if we go back in time when the stampede started or you know at any given point in time how did that parade look like compared to what it looks well, like now <laughs> it was a little different um i mean the the concept was the same in that everybody came in a row um but back then back in the early 60s stampede was only seven days not 10 days so it ran from monday to sunday 
And I remember as a kid when we first came, my dad on the Sunday night before Stampede, my dad would pile me and my two sisters and my mom all in the car and we would drive downtown and open up all the windows and we would cruise up and down the streets because there were no streets that you couldn't drive on then. There was no train, there was no mall, there was no, the sea went down ninth, back up eighth, down seventh, back up sixth. And we just did this little circle. Everybody hooting and hollering and honking their horns and banging on the sides of the cars, all in anticipation of the next day. And, and there was like dozens and dozens and dozens of cars out there doing the same thing, all cruising around, getting ready for stampede. And then of course, the next day, the parade. Now, my memory of the, of the parade back then was, it was great. There was lots of horses. There was lots of First Nations people in their incredible regalia. Then there were more horses and there were colorful floats. And then there were more horses. And then there were some marching bands. Not so happy to be in the marching band if you were behind the horses. And then the clowns and stilt walkers and the crazy people. And then more horses. So you seeing the theme here? There were a lot of horses. And the biggest hit of all, every time, the biggest cheering was for the street sweepers. <laughs> and they would come <laughs> along to clean up after the, not the marching bands, the marching bands <laughs> are fine. That's not who they were cleaning up after. Um, and the parade marshals, they were always um, big name people that everybody knew. There was, you know, Walt Disney was a parade marshal and Frank Sinatra Jr. and Mickey Mouse and oh wow was, oh yeah they, the parade marshals were a lot of Hollywood cowboys uh -huh. you know, like the Cartwright brothers from Bonanza and and those kinds of things and we would go and we would stake out early in the morning the blanket and the lawn chairs <laughs> and at that point it was mostly blankets because the the really convenient lawn chairs really didn't exist <laughs> right everybody <laughs> had the big adirondacks so there wasn't a lot of lawn chairs there were sort of camp stools and stuff but but lots of blankets and the parade we would camp out on ninth avenue when the parade would go by and then the parade got a little bit bigger and so they had the parade now covered went down 6th Avenue and turned on 10th Street and went back down 9th Avenue. And it did that for a really long time. And it accommodated way more people because of course mm -hmm. the population was that much bigger, that many more people wanted to be there and they simply didn't fit anymore. <laughs> yeah. Um, they still don't really all fit, but they, they managed to cram in. And then about, I'm gonna say maybe three, four years ago, an epiphany at Stampede. And for the first time in, I can't tell you how many years, the parade reversed directions. And instead of coming down 6th Avenue and around and back up 9th, it comes down 9th Avenue and turns at 10th and comes back up 6th. And the reason they did that was because anybody who was watching the first part of the parade mm -hmm. and then wanted to go to Stampede Park, because you're already downtown, yes. couldn't get there because the parade was still going down. Oh, yes, and you have to wait. 
<laughs> and you couldn't get through the crowds. But if yeah. it goes the other way, it's finished on Ninth Avenue. So all the people mm -hmm. from Ninth Avenue can go. And as the Sixth Avenue people, as the parade finishes, they can just make their way across. We are so clever. <laughs> it only yeah. took us, I can't tell you how many years, but we became very smart suddenly. And now the parade changed. <laughs> but it was, it was, like I said, it was certainly shorter. There's still lots of horses in the parade, but back then, there were horses. I mean, every person who owned a horse got to be in the parade, I swear to God. Oh, wow. <laughs> like, there was, there's already, like, lots of horses, which is fabulous. But back then, now when there's horses, it's like the RCMP musical ride horses, or the directors and the council people and mayor and yeah. MLAs and whatever, lots of them ride horseback. But back then, it was and this pony club, and this equestrian group, and these people who happen to have horses on their ranch, but didn't want to get a blanket, so they brought a horse and went in the parade instead of watched the parade, <laughs> I swear. It just, the, the, as a kid, it was, here comes a float, oh, here comes some horses. Here's a float, here comes some horses. Here's a band. <laughs> like, <laughs> so now, it's um, now the parade committee, which is all volunteer, like most of the, most of the events on Stampede are volunteer operated, mm -hmm. um, other than, you know, people who hire the music people or hire and the, the young Canadians and those kinds of guys that train them, they're on staff, but everybody else is, is a volunteer. Um, now the parade committee is a little bit more um, judicious about, um, well, I can't think of the word now. Uh, Hmm. Jurying. They mm -hmm. jury their entrance and you apply to be in the parade. And so the focus now is on community groups who want to have, have floats and promote their cultural background. And I'm not talking community like, hi, I'm Haysboro and I want to have a float. Not that kind of community. <laughs> but the, um, the various different cultural groups mm -hmm. and uh, service club type groups and and there's still some um commercial floats out there yeah. but generally speaking it's a commercial float meaning that the business paid for the float but it's in support of generally speaking a nonprofit organization or a charitable group or mm -hmm. something like that to help promote community-based community spirit community um, support for everybody because Stampede is is part of the community. It's not a it's not a standalone entity. It's a nonprofit organization who's who is part of the Calgary community, and yeah. probably so. Yeah, one of the things that come to mind is I mean, it's like going back on time when you are talking about how the Stampede uh, was, the bands, the music, some of the rides that were before. Um, one of the things that come to mind, because everybody, you know, here in Calgary, um, and it's one of my favorite things in the month of July, is wear a hat, wear a cowboy outfit, and everybody goes to the Western stores, and you know which one we have, the only one in Calgary, and start getting ready, getting boots, and getting a jeans, and getting a, um, you know, a cowboy shirt, or blouse, or something that represents the stampede, because that's what we have to wear, even to go to work. And it's nice. I love Absolutely. that. 
Now, how was the attire back then? That was people wearing hats all the time. They have like a special, <laughs> you know, clothes well, it, as well. It it did change. It it definitely changed. Um, they had. Uh, it sort of evolved back in the early in the sixties. Like when I first came in the sixties, probably even into the early 70s uh the ladies were often in i'm going to say square dance type dresses okay. mm -hmm. they had sort of they were sort of a light cotton and they had um my mom called it rickrack i don't know if that's really the word but it's mm -hmm. it's almost like a seam binding but they were shiny like little lame okay, and they, okay. you know sort of zigzaggy kind of thing mm -hmm. on on layers and edges and they were kind of puffy and mm -hmm. crinolines underneath and oh wow and oh very pretty like very pretty mm -hmm. and the gentlemen were often in vests and bolo ties do you want a bolo tie it's like a string with a oh, brooch yes. and they go yes. through yeah. you know mm -hmm. kind of thing bolo ties um in the bars of course it was tight jeans and denim skirts and tied up shirts for the gals and tight jeans and snap button cowboy shirts for the boys <laughs> and then in the 80s um the cowboy hat crowns like the the top part of the hat mm -hmm. not the brim but the top they got very tall for Ooh. a few years in there mm -hmm. like everybody looked like they were are like six inches taller than they really were because the <laughs> cowboy hats had these really tall middles in them not so much a bigger brim so they looked really kind, kind of odd Funny. um but they and, and and hats also started to come out in colors before that hats were usually white or gray or beige mm -hmm. or black or brown suddenly you could buy purple hats and red hats and blue hats and green hats and then there was this really random craze for a while where people made cowboy hats and they made them out of beer cans where they would cut out the logos oh. of the beer can and crochet them together mm -hmm. and make a hat and thank goodness that craze died <laughs> they were really interesting because it, it was a look let's just say that was truly a look Mm -hmm. In the 90s, there was a bit of a shift and more straw hats became popular and available because frankly, they're cooler. It's July, it's Calgary. Some days a felt hat's lovely, but most days a straw hat is way more comfortable. And the 90s was probably also the high water point for bandanas. You know, the little kerchief that you wear around yeah. your neck mm -hmm. and everybody had them. And and although the square dance dresses were not really seen much anymore, occasionally you would see them, but not much. Um, we still have to this day, and, and starting sort of in the 2000s, was big time for broom skirts. Um, those ones that look like they're all crinkly pleated. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and denim skirts always have been in style. And I, I love broom skirts because they're way cooler than blue jeans because the wind can blow up and actually cool you <laughs> off a little cool bit. Yes. Yeah, I, I, I'm a big fan. Um, but blue jeans and cowboy shirts are still the official gear for guys yeah. and gals. But um, now it's more, back then it was more of a, I'm going to say the gentleman hat, gentleman mm -hmm. cowboy hat. And now hats come in every shape. 
you know, like the shady yeah. Brady's, the ones that look like they got road hard and hung up wet. <laughs> you know, they're, they're rolled up on the sides and they're pulled down and they're crushed in and they look like they got stomped a few times and, and whatever. Um, and you buy them that way. Um, but it, it almost doesn't matter what style, what color, um, or what fabrication your hat is. If you wear a hat, you are a cowboy. People wear jeans all year long. People wear boots all year long. People yeah. wear shirts all year, most of the time, all year long. But when you put a hat on, you walk different. You stand different. <laughs> yeah. You talk different. You are a cowboy. <laughs> and there's a swagger to it. It's yes. a, it, it's a, it's a feeling. And um, I was a person who was charged with for five years, it doesn't happen anymore, but for five years, we ran a program called Get Your Head in a Hat. Mm. And every year in June, we would give away a whole mess of cowboy hats. Mm -hmm. And then during Stampede, volunteers, mostly promotion committee, but lots of people from every other uh, Stampede committee had, I'm gonna say, pull tickets like Nevada, tickets mm -hmm. where you break them open and there's a prize inside. Okay. And if we spotted you wearing a cowboy hat, we thanked you for getting your head in a hat um, and gave you a prize. And the reason that that happened was we noticed that there was a tendency for people to sort of become blase and decide maybe it wasn't cool to wear a cowboy hat. Maybe we'll just forget mm -hmm. all that Western stuff. Mm -hmm. And the problem with that is the hat, hat says cowboy, hat yeah. says Western, Western says heritage Everything. and value. And, and I don't mean value like how much do you cost? I mean value by your morals, your, mm -hmm. your integrity, you know, your family values. Yeah, absolutely. All of that stuff. And there was big concern that we were going to lose that from in the hustle and bustle of everyday life. Yeah. And you know when you come to the stampede that you're at the stampede. Why? Because of the cowboy hats. When you go to PE in Toronto or or sorry, PE in Vancouver or CNE in Toronto or the fair in Saskatoon or even K Days in, in Edmonton, mm -hmm. you don't really know where you are. There's a midway there's vendors, there's mm -hmm. food, but it all looks exactly the same. It's yeah. a fair. Mm -hmm. Stampede is different. Yes. Without the cowboy hats, we're just P and E. <laughs> and, you know, I mean, the feeling, the feeling totally changes. When yeah. people wear hats and they're cowboys, they're nicer to each other. Yeah. They're more open. They're more polite they're friendlier it just it's it's a whole different feeling it's a, it's whole a different, different vibe altogether way. you know yeah. exactly so so you know people who go you know i'm not wearing a hat might wreck my hair well yeah it does absolutely and once you put your hat on and you've been in your hat for an hour you can't take your hat off because you have <laughs> hat head just your hair sticking yes. out in the bottom and completely crushed in the middle and with a band <laughs> around and 
as a volunteer because we wear hats for all <laughs> 10 days for hours at a time and usually for days beforehand. After Stampede, you have phantom hat. Like I'm forever going to move my hat and there's no hat there. So if you keep bashing yourself in the forehead for at least three or four days after Stampede, because <laughs> you think the hat's there, the hat's been there forever, the hat feels like it's still there. <laughs> and you know, it's all good. That's nice. Yeah. And I mean, and, and Stampede, it's a, the Stampede prides itself on its community stuff, but it also, yeah goes afar to promote Calgary, Southern Alberta, all of Alberta, and in some places, Canada. They, you know, they, they go all <laughs> over the world with the band and the float and the, the breakfast people, the caravan committee go all over the place. Um, one of my favorite memories as a volunteer was the, in 1995, the HMCS Calgary got commissioned. That's, it's a naval warship. Mm -hmm. And they, they launched a new fleet of ships and they named them after various cities. So there's the Halifax and there's the, uh, I think there's the Montreal, but the HMCS Calgary got, got uh, christened in 1995. And I was lucky enough to lead the promotion committee portion of the cavalcade that went out to Victoria, BC for the commissioning. So we go and it's all very formal and all of these sailors in their whites it was fantastic the only thing okay. more elegant or more fun to watch than cowboys in tight jeans and great hats are sailors in their whites <laughs> looking fine like hundreds of them anyway so they had all these formal um ceremonial type mm -hmm. things to start to christen the ship in the daytime and then that night stampede through a party on behalf of the city of Calgary, and there was all kinds of dignitaries, councillors, and the mayor, and the yeah. premier, and all the rest of the stuff <laughs> were there. So the promotion committee function that I was part of was to greet everybody arriving for this barbecue that evening. And the traditional stampede greeting is a branding. Now, in fact, it's a rubber stamp with the, with the stampede logo. But okay. it looks like it's on a branding iron. And so it looks like it's being <laughs> branded. And you can scare the pants off people because they think it's going to be hot. It's, it's quite fun to watch. Anyway, we're branding away. We're having this wonderful time. And all of a sudden, this pipe band of about 15 gentlemen marches, complete with bagpipes, up to where we are. And the, the leader guy stops them all and he says, we'd like to be branded. He said, okay. So he yelled whatever he yelled to get the band to do what the band's supposed to do. They all turned around, put their backs to us, and flipped up their kilts. Oh. We went down a row of about 15 guys. <laughs> oh my and God. it's true what they say about wearing nothing under the kilt. There was nothing under these kilts. <laughs> <laughs> which gave birth to the new promotion slogan for branding, which is, if you bear it, I guess we'll brand it. Because <laughs> we went down and branded 15 bare bottoms. Oh, wow. <laughs> they put their kilts back down, started up their bagpipes, and marched away. <laughs> oh, my God. 
<laughs> well, it has definitely changed that because we don't see I was that. Say, I think beverages were involved before they came up. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Now, one of the things that, of course, for everybody, well, at least for me, uh, I was when I looked forward for just a few years ago, what food we're going to have? We always know about the mini donuts, the cotton candy, and now with the, over the years, it, it has been evolving a lot. Like we come with so many crazy ideas. Yeah. But, it, but you, with the experience that you have uh, volunteering for the Stampede for over 30 years, how, like, what will be, let's say, um, the classic food that you will eat back then compared to now? Is it the same? Is it still the mini donuts? Is it still what? <laughs> Well, I'm, I, I love to eat. If you can tell by the size of my bottom, how much I love to eat. <laughs> but um, I'm not terribly adventurous for some of the crazy stuff that they do. Like I'm really not interested in cockroach pizza and I'm really not interested in, you know, other kinds of bugs on anything. That's, yep. you know, thank you very much. As long as they still have beef on a bun, I see no reason to eat spiders. <laughs> I agree. Really, it's, it's just not. And back, back in the early days, I honestly don't recall anything kind of, I'm going to say weird, perhaps it's not weird in some parts of the world, but it's weird <laughs> in my house, um, types of food. It was, it was more like, I mean, exotic for back then was like snow cones and Belgian waffles, <laughs> you know, and elephant ears, you know, those puffy pastry things with icing sugar and stuff. That was the exotic stuff back then that mm -hmm. I recall. I, I don't remember any of hearing, I certainly know I didn't taste any mm -hmm. of the really, you know, a corn dog was a big deal because at home you just got a hot dog and it was never battered and deep fried. <laughs> you know, like, that was a big deal back then. So now, I mean, with all the craziness, I mean, they have, they have, I think mini donuts was a terrific invention, although mm -hmm. my genes don't think so, but I, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, I think that the quality of food has really, really, really improved vastly. And I think that's, you know, a combination of people's demand these days yeah. of, of a better quality of stuff. Like you can't just slap something on a bun and, and call it yeah. whatever you're going to call it, whether that's beef on a bun or, you know, pork rinds or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. um, the demand between, between the consumer and the health authorities <laughs> yes, has become cool. way better, you know? Yeah. And I mean, I'm pretty sure that in the 60s and 70s, there would be nowhere on parks that you could possibly find a vegetable. Mm -hmm. Like, I just don't think vegetables, other, outside of French fries, because potatoes are vegetable. <laughs> yeah, I always um, say that. <laughs> yeah. I don't think there would be a, a hope that you could find, you know, a piece of broccoli or a carrot stick mm -hmm. or a hunk of lettuce anywhere on park, unless you were into one of the sit-down restaurants and you got a side salad with your whatever you'd ordered. Mm -hmm. But certainly not walking down the midway. And now you can get, you know, fruit plates and you can get vegetable bowls and you can get salads and you can mm -hmm. get, like, I, I think that the, the variety mm -hmm. of 
stuff that is not bad for you is way more plentiful, which for some people is a sad thing because <laughs> we used to go there going, well, at least if I eat at the, at the fair, I don't have to have vegetables. Um, <laughs> now that's not the case anymore. But I, I think that the, the quality, the caliber, the variety, um, and, and frankly, the flavors have improved immeasurably over the years. And the, the, the fun new foods are just that. They're fun new foods. You can dare each other to eat the really, really hot somethings mm-hmm. or the really, really, I'm not sure why we're having bugs, but I guess we're having bug stuff. Oh, I, um, I, I, I was reading you know, that. The, but okay. the, I mean, Stampede, they introduced the, the people who introduced the ice cream dots, which mm-hmm. are those teeny tiny little confetti ice cream pieces. And they, who'd have thought like that? <laughs> frozen yogurt at the stampede you know like really hello <laughs> so awesome i mean awesome stuff as well as you can still get you know there's still lots of opportunity for sit down meals and, awesome. mm-hmm. and being you know and beverages and all that kind of stuff but it's um and the other new thing that came in terms of food is in the western oasis which is in the bemo center mm-hmm. where all the art is Mm-hmm. In the front is the market where you can buy anything you didn't even know you wanted to own in terms of chamois and slice them, dice them, <laughs> sheets and infusers and humidifiers and anything else that you didn't even know you needed. Mm-hmm. Behind that, where you get to the Western Oasis piece, which is where all the artwork and the mm-hmm. bronzes and stuff. Now in the middle of that is a wine garden Ooh. and they have food and it's, air conditioned and there's tables and chairs Mm -hmm. and there's generally sort of music and there's water features and there's all kinds of stuff very calm Mm -hmm. it's very civilized and they carry a ton of different varieties of wine in there Mm. and non-alcoholic beverages as well but some really nice 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 wines in there you can sort of sit and recharge yeah. Before you go back out and go crazy out on the midway. <laughs> <laughs> no, Bev, for sure. Um, a lot of people are looking forward to, to this year after the craziness that happened for the past 16 months with COVID. And a lot of people are fearful, of course. A lot of people are hopeful. A lot of people are excited. Many different mixed emotions about having the stampede back and and concern about the safety and you know like following the COVID protocols and uh, trying to prevent another wave or 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 you know people getting um the virus or anything what you can say you are uh, an active member an active volunteer and you have been in the front line with this uh, you know magnificent event how you can tell people not to be afraid like you guys are for sure having all these new um, restrictions and measures to make everybody safe. And for sure it's gonna look different than was two years ago or even three years ago, but at least we will have something. What you can say about that? Well, Stampede this year, um, above all else, usually our very first thing is to make sure our guests are feel, feel welcome, and and feel safe that's and this year it's let's make sure our guests feel safe and welcome so the stampede has instituted a a full 
safety protocol, COVID safety protocol, over and above every other safety thing we have, but a COVID safety protocol in that every employee and every volunteer who is going to participate in any stampede function as a volunteer has to complete an online COVID protocol training course. It's about 20 minutes on what to do, how to do it, where to do it, what to do if you see this, what to do if you hear that, what to do if this has happened, et cetera, et cetera, specifically for COVID. Over and above all the other training programs we go through for safety, specifically for, for COVID. Secondly, like I said, they're doing a timed um, controlled entry into park so they can control the number of people who physically are on park. And to that end, there are fewer vendors so that they can be spaced farther apart so that if you're lining up for a corn dog and I'm lining up for mini donuts, our lines aren't crossing over. We can physically distant, distance between people going to various and sundry things, similar on the midway, etc. The um, mandate is for every volunteer and every employee of Stampede must mask. Whether the city gives it up, the province has as of today, but mm -hmm. the city is going to look on the fifth. It doesn't matter. Either way, Stampede will err on the side of caution. So every employee and every volunteer working at on the park or at an event for Stampede will be masked. Okay. We are encouraging guests. The province has said you don't need to. We're saying your choice outside, our choice inside. Right. Inside, we would prefer you wear a mask. And so those areas that are indoors, mm -hmm. like the BMO Center Market, like Western Oasis, we are hoping that people will be smart about stuff. Yes, social distance, but we're asking, please consider wearing a mask oh, for the other people. Um, Stampede over and above all the provincial lotteries, for lack mm -hmm. of a better term. Stampede has an internal lottery for employees and staff who have been vaccinated, we can enter to win nice. prizes inside because they want as many as possible of our employees and volunteers to be fully vaccinated to keep mm -hmm. everybody safe, us and them. And last but certainly not least, they've instituted a whole new protocol of sanitization and disinfecting. Okay. And they've purchased um, uh, um, a, a disinfectant, I'm going to say, and I honestly can't remember what the name of it is. It doesn't okay. matter. I've never heard of it. It's hospital grade. Mm -hmm. And the difference in this disinfectant is it has a 60 second, um, I'm not shelf life, but a, a 60 seconds until it's completely effective. Yes. Now, in comparison, if you take Lysol spray yes. and you spray your counter, they recommend that you wait five to six minutes to ensure that all the germs are dead, right? Oh. That's, that's, that's just the, the I'm not, it's not the drying time, but it's mm -hmm. the, the killing the germs time, whatever, mm -hmm. what a technical term that is, the killing the germs time. <laughs> um, this disinfectant is a 60 second okay. time. 
And it comes in spray, it comes in wipe, and it comes in these fabulous, I want one of these because it looks so cool. They're backpack holders with mm -hmm. a hose and a sprayer on the end, kind of like when you see a gardener out spraying <laughs> roses for mm -hmm. bugs or whatever. And it sprays this disinfectant. So after every performance of the rodeo and mm -hmm. evening show, after every performance where people are invited to be seated, in comes this team with their backpack disinfectants. Ooh, okay. And they spray every chair, every surface, every handrail, etc., involved with this disinfectant, which with and then they and they hold everybody back for 60 seconds. And this is supposed to stay keeping germs off, like rep repelling germs, for lack of a better term, for hours and hours. But they do it with way more regularity. Yeah. They also have the wipes to do any yeah. high touch surfaces and they'll do the washrooms and they'll do the, you know, all that kind of stuff. So it's, it, it, this will be, I'm gonna say, the cleanest stampede ever. <laughs> That's great. Um, because we, in the past, we've also always prided ourselves on, mm -hmm. you know, the litter picking and the disinfecting and whatever, as per AHS guidelines. Mm -hmm. But we've never had a COVID yeah. type germ to fight before. Yeah. So they are, Stampede is taking this so seriously. And we are so aware of keeping people safe. That is the number one priority. Number two is to kickstart the economy and simultaneously kickstart the atmosphere, right? People yeah. getting back to normal so that it, we want people to feel safe to come out and have some fun, laugh out loud, walk around like you're free. You yes, know? we need that. Definitely, but wear yes. your hat. But wear your hat. Yes. Get your head in a hat. <laughs> Always get your head in a hat. Wear your smile, wear your hat, and wear your good spirit. That's amazing. And I think even when it's going to be hard for a lot of people to get adjust, not even going to the stampede, just going back to the office. Some of us, we work from home for so long, and now we go back to the office and we kind of weird about the space that we are in and exactly. you know but I, I we needed that and and i think it's amazing all these measures that you guys are taking and people should feel safe about participating in this event um one of the things that before i i, I can stay hours and hours talking to some people <laughs> but i know <laughs> you probably have something to do and i don't want to keep you too long um you mentioned in the, the beginning of conversation the back in the time you know, your father, when you, you bring in a kid to the stampede, you say, we're going to meet, if everybody gets, you know, somebody gets lost or apart, we're going to meet at the, the tower. clock tower. Clock tower. So what did you say for the parents today? What is the, the point if somebody gets away from the group? Well, the cool part was the parents were worried, right? Mm -hmm. the kids could still run around and be foolish. <laughs> and you could just say, I couldn't find you. Yeah. I, I wasn't late meeting you. I just couldn't find you. <laughs> well, Eventually, everybody sorted out, you know, because yeah. everybody looked out for everybody else's kid, as it were. And, you know, yeah. if, if they really were lost and crying and whatever, yeah. then that's it. Nowadays, um, at the entrances to the park, if you're, if you're bringing children, mm -hmm. um, they have the 
lost kids program okay. where you can tie a tag onto your child with your cell phone number on it mm -hmm. and if the child is lost and they have people sort of just wandering the park with the vests on that look the same as the tags so if they see a kid standing there crying and there's no adult around you kind of guess that they're lost <laughs> and you can phone and say you know are you missing a three foot tall male kid wearing a red t-shirt and a hat <laughs> Because we have them here. <laughs> right? So, you know, there's there's some different programs now, but because there's no clock tower, so mm -hmm. people have to find different places to meet. But parks also a little bit bigger with bigger stuff on it. So mm -hmm. it's hard to sort of pick one place that you can see from anywhere on the park. It's you can see from here, you can see that from here, you can see that. But uh, so now we have lost kids programs. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's good. For all the parents that are worried, don't worry. You can wander yourself on automatic and try to well, keep your, your kid on the, on the leash. <laughs> well, and whenever we took my dad, he's my dad passed this past fall. But when we took him prior to that, he's a wanderer. Like mm -hmm. something shine, like, like lots of guys something shiny goes past and he follows it right because it's very <laughs> cool to watch so we used to tease him about we're going to put a lost kid tag on you so that when you are someplace you have no idea where you are now and you're nowhere near the rest of us just get somebody to phone and we'll come get you <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> my dad was 93 so he you know lots of stuff interested him of course <laughs> It's been an honor and a pleasure uh, to talk to you about the stampede and to go back in time and for you to go into memory land and remember all those uh, years before when the stampede started. For us, uh, it's an important message about conserving, like you say, culture, conserving values, the heritage, promoting, promoting multiculturalism in Canada, that is a big thing, inclusion, respect for each other, and I think after the past six months that we have, we need a lot of that. We need to be absolutely. We need to be supportive. We need to move on and move forward, and you know, getting together in these events and sharing our our heritage, our culture, our values, and our desire to keep this um, province and in, in general the whole country going because we need a lot of that. Absolutely, and the one thing I forgot to mention earlier is I would really, really encourage people, if you're coming down to the park, to go visit the Elbow River Camp, which is where the First Nations people are. Okay. Um, the, the, the five tribes of Treaty 7 have been coming to Stampede since the very first Stampede. They've never missed, except last year when we all missed. Mm -hmm. um, it's the only place in Canada where all those different groups, all five of them, pitch teepees on the same land at the same time, okay. anywhere in Canada. Wow. It doesn't happen. That's not how it works. And they've been coming and they've been partners with Stampede for since 1912. Mm -hmm. And the now that Elbow River Camp Years ago, we called it Indian Village. It was at the south end of the park. Now it was renamed four years ago to Elbow River Camp. And it's just east of the Saddledome. And it's beautiful. It's over in Enmax Park. 
and there's grass and trees. The teepees are there. They have all kinds of native food like bannock and stuff that you mm -hmm. can purchase. But they have a little market there with all this handmade beadwork nice. and they do dancing and it, it is absolutely magnificent. And the incredible, incredible outfits that they, these dancers and, and these teepee owners have over there are just breathtaking. It's the, the work and the color and the ribbons and the, uh, it, it's unbelievable. So I highly recommend that if you're going over there, it's a wonderful place. It's, it's quieter than the rest of the minute of the park. Um, and it's, and it's absolutely gorgeous. And the, the river goes past over there and you can bring a picnic and it's, it's just truly spectacular. So I would highly recommend Perfect. that you take a, take a while and, and plan. It's going to take you probably half an hour or an hour to go through and, and kind of yeah. have a little look-see at stuff, but plan for two. Cause then you can sort of have a sit and watch the people go by and be yeah. in the shade. And it's, it's gorgeous over there. Thank you for that recommendation, May. And just before we end, Beb, what days the Stampede this year, 2021, is going to run through? From what day to what day and what times? It's going to oh, be the it same starts time? on Friday, July mm -hmm. the 9th, and it okay. runs through till Sunday, July the 18th. Okay. And same times uh, the before or opening times? Um, similar. Hang on. I've got the, they got the little book came out, and I can tell you that exactly. Uh, sneak a peek is actually the Thursday night. Okay. Um, and so that would be the seventh and then for July nine to 18, we have, let's see here, July 9th or sorry, July 8th is sorry. July 8th is sneak a peek. That's my mistake. July 8th is sneak a peek 5 PM to midnight. Then the weekends, 9 to 11, 17 and 18. Um, it's 10 till midnight. Through the week, it's 11 to midnight. And on July 14th, it's 9 till midnight. Okay. Okay. Um, anything that you want to find out, and probably stuff you didn't even know you wanted to find out, mm -hmm. if you go to calgarystampede.com mm -hmm. and you can click on 2021 Stampede. And It'll tell you everything that you need to know and stuff, like I said, that you didn't even know you needed to know. <laughs> and That's it, the best stuff. <laughs> exactly. Including, you know, where you can rent wheelchairs or where you can rent strollers or where you can find lockers or any of that kind of stuff. It's and, and bank machines and stuff. Yeah. It's all good. there on calvarystampede.com. Well, thank you so, so very much, Beb Blue, an amazing guest that we have today about giving us a, a, a time travel moment to all the stampede over the years, which is an amazing to, to get to know that information and to share it with you. And we really, really appreciate your time to be in with us in the podcast. And um, we feel like we're living in that stampede right now and we can we're more excited and looking forward for the nine when everything starts or the eight with the sneak peek so we appreciate very much your time babalu anything you want to add before we go 
Um, well, it's certainly been my pleasure to chat, and it's only seven more sleeps. Yes, Yahoo! <laughs> yes, Yahoo! And get your head in the hat, not forget. Absolutely, get your head in the hat. And, and your um, face is mini donuts. <laughs> that's the mini donuts and the hat. That must be. <laughs> so thank you, Bad Blue. And it has been a, a wonderful time. And for sure, for the Stampede, they're so lucky to have you and being a volunteer over the 32 years. You know, that's an amazing accomplishment. And, and thank you for that to share with us in the podcast. And now there is an open invitation for everybody to go to the Stampede. And, be sure that you will be safe, that all the protocols are followed, and they just want you to have a safe and fun time. And we all deserve that after when we have been through in, in Alberta and um, the whole world. So thank you, Bev, for that. Thank you for your time and for being in the podcast. And to all the people that are listening, stay tuned. Don't forget to go to um, the Calgary Stampede website if you have any information, or you can give us a call, and we will make sure we try to answer in the best possible way in the meantime until next week and yahoo thank you for listening silver shades podcast this podcast is available every thursday at 3 p.m with interesting topics and conversations for you if you have any comments or want us to cover a particular topic please refer to the contact form on the website silvershades.ca you can find Silver Shades Podcast on the website silvershades.ca, Spotify, Overcast, Apple Podcast, Pocket Cast, and Google Podcast. Remember, your experience and voice are important and make of the world a better place. Until next week. <laughs>